Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. This week we discuss all the latest from the tour, hear Ian Poulter's tips and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and as ever I am joined this week by Elliot Heath. How are you doing Elliot? Very good Tom, welcome back. You alright? Yes, very, very Long well. weekend. It was a particularly long weekend but a good one, but a good one. Um, did you play golf? No. You didn't play any golf over the bank holiday? No, uh, my golf club was closed on Saturday with some invitation day thing that I wasn't playing in and... I've got quite high standards now when it comes to golf courses and anywhere that I wanted to play was like 80 quid and I just wasn't paying that. So I had a weekend off. So you're a golf snob now? Essentially, yeah. You ch- you you change week to week. Really? Two, yeah, two weeks ago you said golf was too expensive and you're going to give it up. Now you're saying, oh no, I can only play on really good courses. You should just play some golf. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, doesn't it? So, so that means that you want to play more golf this week. Yeah, I'm playing on Friday. I've got half day. Playing North Hants. Lovely. Justin Rose's old club in Fleet. Yeah. No, I've played there. I, I, I have driven one onto the train track there. Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> I played it a long time ago. It's really nice, from what I remember. Yeah, I think I birdied 18. Uh, no, you, you didn't. I, I know. I, I did. I, um, to to. <laughs> To save myself having to pay a lot of money, because that was my only bit of the day, I think. Wow. I think I hit a career driver hybrid and then hold a <laughs> hold a sneaky part, I think. So, um, yeah. That's that unbelievable. Was, that, well, yeah, it almost, almost is unbelievable. That was a few years ago, actually. Um, but, yeah, oh, good, good. I didn't play any golf. No. Played, cricket? Yeah, played a bit of cricket. We won. I took three wickets. Bold. That's good. Yeah, I bowled. Not as good as the week before, but no, by bold, I bowled driftily, but um, they weren't very good at our opposition. So, um, yeah, did you watch golf? Watch a bit of golf. Watch a little bit of golf, and uh, let's talk about that. So I saw quite a bit, but I didn't see the final round, so I just saw the highlights. Okay, well, you know that's stuff. It's fine. Uh, busy bank holiday weekends are busy, so you know if you didn't watch it, then here's what happened <laughs> on the PGA Tour. Kevin Nahr won the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial by four strokes. It's his third PGA Tour title. He's gone from 52nd in the world to 31st in the world. Um, he gave his caddy, Kenny Harms, a 1973 Dodge Challenger that he won because they've been together for 11 years now. Tony Finau was, guess where, second. Uh, he's, he's 500th second this year. Uh, and Jordan Speed finished tied eighth after a two-over par final round. Did you see the Tony Finau stat that I sent you? I don't know, did I? Comparing his and Greg Norman's career earnings. Oh, yes, yes. Th- this was a fantastic stat. Go Thank on. you. So uh, Finau has won one event in his life as a professional on the PJ Tour, which was the Puerto Rico Open, which is one of those rubbish that's events. That's the only... Uh, Whoa, I think that's a bit harsh on the Puerto Rico Open. The Puerto Rico Open is quite a decent event. There's, right, some, it's a, there's some quite big names who've won that. Has not Bryce DeChambeau won that? No. Uh, uh, no which, it's one's a, it, which one's is it? <laughs> this made my point really well. Uh, there's a Graham McDowell won that. Or am I, something, am I thinking of a completely different tournament? 
Graham Town Isn't might... the Puerto Rico open at the same time as a major? Or is it... Yeah, it's one of those ones. Yeah, but then you can still have some really good... Where players go that are severely out of form. Or that or the, are, are, you know, coming up to being really good players. Like Tony Fina. But Tony Fina has also won other events on the PGA Tour. He won the... Uh, no, he hasn't. He won the pairings event. No, I don't think so. He has. He won the... What's the pairings event? What, the... Um... The Zurich Classic. Something like that. Or the Shark Shootout. One of those two. But anyway, <laughs> he hasn't. He's only won once, which was the Puerto Rico Open in like 2016 or something. I'm going to Google it. And his career earnings are like probably over 15 million now. Greg Norman has won 20 times on the PJ Tour, including two majors, and he has won less money on the PJ Tour than Tony Fino. Well, yeah, I know. I, well, yes. It's a good stat. You're, uh, you're, I don't think you've said this stat very well. Well, I can't really what say anything said, very well. Well... well. <laughs> I'm glad you're on the podcast. <laughs> what you're saying is Tony Finau has now won as much money as Greg Norman. Uh, much more now. Well, much more after now. After the second place. Yeah. So he's won a million pounds, a million dollars more than Greg Norman. Yeah. And Greg Norman has won 20 PGA Tour events and Tony Finau has won one. It's a good stat, but, you know, there's things called inflation and stuff like that. So, Well, that's obviously what it's showing. Yeah. That's yeah, showing I know. the people the inflation around the world in those years. Okay. What, in 25 years, 30 years? Yeah, yeah. And also, there is a lot more money in the game, uh, no doubt. Well, 10 years ago, um, when I first started working for Golf Monthly, having a first prize of over a million dollars was um, a real surprise. And there was only really one event that that happened. That's the one. Freddo's event. were 10p back when you joined Freddo's, Golf Monthly, weren't they? Freddo's were probably 2p. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so there is a lot more money in the game. And it means that someone like Tony Fina, who doesn't win that often but does have some a lot of top fives I don't know how many second places he's got now but no. it's, a, it's an awful lot uh, you know second places in these events mean that you get an awful lot of money you're getting six seven hundred thousand dollars at times so um, yeah he was top, top ten at all four majors last year wasn't he yeah. or something like that and then second at the WGC in China he lost his show play hit playoff. the first tee shot at the Ryder Cup last year yeah had a good Ryder Cup Something which I lost money on because I had money on Brooks Cook. Beat, um, beat Tommy Fleetwood six and five on the final day, he did. didn't he? Yeah, so in really, really, he's, he's a really good player, but he's obviously earning an awful lot of money and doing very well for himself. So, yeah. Anyway, what about Kevin Nahr? What about Kevin spoken Nahr? about him. Well, well, let's talk about him now. Third PJ Tour title. I'm going to be honest about Kevin Nahr. He's not my favourite player in the world to watch. See, I've always been a big Kevin Nahr fan. I think his 16 at the Texas Open those years ago endeared me to him. Because he had an absolute shocker. Yeah, and then he had like this full swing yips, didn't he, at the players? He does. He's, he's very hard to watch because he uh, lambasts himself a lot. A lot of chat. You know, he's a, he's a character, which sometimes we moan about people not being characters. But he can be a bit slow. Um, over the ball, he's fine. But his pre-shot routine and chatting to the caddy can be a bit wearing at times. But he's got a good game now. He's, and he he was another one who was a bit like Fina, where he just seemed to only finish second. But he's won, you know, he's won a couple of times last year now, hasn't he? So. Yeah, he won the Greenbrier last year. Yeah, so he's he's played. Much so better. up until the Greenbrier last year, he'd only won once in his career on the PJ Tour. Yeah, and he'd been out there for a decade or something. Yeah, but he's very like a small skinny guy. Doesn't hit it miles. He's like a small skinny guy. But I think he's got a beautiful golf swing. He always has, and it's really nice to see him doing well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm be honest with you. As I said, I'm not his biggest fan. If he wins, well done to him. But. I didn't realise he'd been up to 19th in the world before. Yeah, he was really solid. 
he's really really solid and then he dropped off again as you said he had um, I think he had an injury as well didn't he um, don't know he had an injury and then he had these swing issues he's those, only had <laughs> those, those full swing yips as you described them were amazing when he was he actually take a he'd take a full swing but actually pull out of trying to hit the ball yeah, and then he started saying sorry to his playing yeah, partners. Yeah, deliberately miss it. Yeah, he must have been very off-putting if he played <laughs> yeah. them because you wouldn't know what was going on. Um, no, and he's a slightly odd chap, I think. But, he's only um, had two top tens in majors as well in his career, and he's played in a lot of majors. So he, he gave his caddy a 1973 Dodge Challenger. Um, did you see it? I did, yes. I, I Beautiful did. blue thing. A car, yeah. If you, had a, if you were to be given a car... Because obviously the Dodge Challenger is a very American car. Um, if you could get given a car, what would be your dream car to be given? And I obviously take this with a pinch of salt because you don't have a driving license at the moment, Elliot. Um, I'm a big fan of the BMW i8. Crikey. Do you know that electric one yes, yes. that they give away at Wentworth on the 14th? Yeah, I, find, I think it's an ugly car. Fair um, enough. Yeah. I'm never, you? I would be given... Ford Focus? I've got a full focus. I wouldn't want to be given one. Um, it would be a Ferrari of some sort, classic Ferrari, red, something along those lines. I'm sure Dodge Chal- 1973 Dodge Challenger would go down. Would you fit in a Ferrari? I don't know. Serious? I've never tried to. It'd probably be a bit of a squeeze. Yeah. But then I'd get in an F1 car. Also, I'm not sure the window's high enough for the McDonald's drive-through. Oh. <laughs> wow. Shots fired. At least I don't have to walk through the the, the uh, McDonald's drive-through, hey, Elliot? Shut <laughs> your face. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Spieth. Oh. Played well again. He can't, can't put through four rounds of golf together, can he? He had hold over three hundred and fifty foot of putts or something for the first three days, and then it's a lot. How many yards in a? F- I'm sorry. How many feet in a yard? Three. Well done. Did I tell you that before? No, I'm a golfer. All golfers know that. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, yeah, it didn't happen for him on Sunday, did it? When I really thought he would win. I thought Jim Furyk might win as well, actually, but he didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Great analysis there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, well, Spieth is trending, as they say. Um, he's really going through it, isn't he? He's, he's been out with everything, hasn't he? He's, he's been struggling to make cuts. Clearly not hitting the ball very well, though. No. To be holding that amount of putts and still not holding the 54-hole lead just shows you... No, absolutely. And that's, but that was what his game was always built round, where he could stay in the tournaments and play you know, pretty scrappy golf. But because he was putting so well, he would make up a lot of ground on the field on the greens. You can't and be then, the world number one and the three-time major winner... I know, he was playing... But he's bad played, Yeah, but he's always game. been a bit, bit of a dodgy striker of the ball, hasn't he? He's not the purest striker of, of a golf ball by any means on tour. And as you see, he does have his moments, and but then he'll then because he is obviously he's a professional golfer. When he suddenly goes on a hot streak, so let's look for example at Burtdale, which is the one that we all look. Yeah, at. he was not driving the ball very well the whole of the tournament. He kept on missing the rough because he was hitting it so far left, it would miss the rough and end up where the spectators were. That happened loads and loads of times, and. That issue, the, the famous issue when he hit it so far left that it was on the driving range or whatever it was, or it was, maybe it was right, actually. It was right, It yeah. was so far right. Um, you know, he managed to get away with the bogey there. But then, can you remember the shot that he played, the next shot, where yeah. he nearly hold his his, his, uh, his approach to this par three, his tee shot on the par three? 
and then he just suddenly was there, wasn't he? He was he's hitting fairways, he's hitting greens, and he was holding these putts, and he, and and he went on to win. And I still feel sorry for Matt Cooch, who did very little wrong, but but didn't win it. That I was inside the uh, ropes for that group. Indeed, uh, Cooch have played very well, but and also, but yeah, but also there was other things. So, uh, say for example, at where else has he won? At Chambers Bay, for example, he won Chambers Bay, didn't he? Yeah, he was just. Well, it was t- it was really tough to play because obviously they'd lost the course a bit. But he just stuck in there. He didn't have to hit the ball very well. He just stuck in there, and he made up the shots that he needed to on the greens, and and he stayed on to win. He nearly won at St Andrews as well, didn't he? He was only one shot away from the playoff that same time when Zach Johnson won. Yeah, with a bogey on seventeen. Yeah, so he, he's well, he's just one of those guys where he's tenacious. He sticks around, and then he knows when he. When he fires, he's going to suddenly go on a birdie streak. So it's not quite happening for him. I do think he has, he's going to win soon. Um, it's strange that his long game's been that off for for two years now, though. It's, it's really odd. It does happen, though. You see that golfers go up and down the world rankings. There's other golfers who, you know, look at Martin Kamer, you know, world number one. Everyone thought he was going to be world number one for, for a decade, and he can't hit his hat at the moment, so... It, it does happen, and there's chances that these guys will come back into form. I was standing behind Kymer on the range at Wentworth last year, <laughs> and and he hit you. That would no, he was shot. hitting like a three wood, I think, off the deck, but obviously like teeing it up nicely on the grass, and he was slicing probably fifty percent of them. Yeah, and you're just watching him, thinking, "What on earth is this?" No, he, and then you'd have all these random players that you'd never heard of next to him, just absolutely creaming it. Yeah, but the professional golfers are usually all creaming. I think Manasero was next to him, and Manasero was pure in it. And then Kymer, I think he was with Craig Connolly at the time, his caddy. And, uh, yeah, they clearly were looking at each other like, what on earth is going on here? Yeah, it happens, it happens. Well, hopefully all those guys do come back into form because they're decent golfers. There was another event at the weekend as well on the European Tour, the Made in Denmark, which looked like great fun. They like to drink in Denmark. That 14th they? hole. Yeah. So Amazing. Do you want to describe what, what what they did for the walk from the 13th green to the 14th? Yeah, the players and caddies had to walk through the beer tent, didn't they? With like a little alleyway through the middle. With, um, it was like roped off. And yeah, a lot of them were, were getting into it, weren't they? The music was on, the beer was flowing. I thought it was a great idea. Brilliant, yeah. I thought it was a really, really good idea from the middle of the round. I mean, it's raucous, I know that, but it's entertaining. I saw Jamie Donaldson moonwalking and doing all kinds of things, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's good. They they always try and do something a bit different at Made in Denmark, and we've tried, we've seen these. We've had we've had all these kind of things before. You know, when you look at what they do, obviously at the Phoenix Open, and try and make it into a, a little stadium, whereas they're not they they don't need to do that at the Made in Denmark. Um, but I think it's really good. It reminded me a little bit of a darts walk on. Yes, where they're just going through the yeah. the drunken crowds and high fiving everyone, but I thought it was quite entertaining, and I, I quite like the Made in Denmark tournaments. Yeah, really good. And what happened? Well, Bern Wiesberger beat Scotland's Robert McIntyre by one, uh, the Austrian's fifth European Tour title and first win in over two years. He was out for seven months last year with a wrist injury. He and McIntyre went toe to toe, but the Scot went out of bounds on the seventeenth. Wiesberger bogeyed eighteen to win by one and Wiesberger he has been through it a couple of years ago we thought he was going to be um, at least in the Ryder Cup team I think at, in in France he's been lined up to be one of Thomas Bjorn's main men he played in a few other uh, of the team tournaments and seemed to do a lot but then form complete went had obviously had this injury as well 
Uh, and it's really good to see him him winning again. Yeah, it's good for European golf, that. I think. Yeah, just a great player, brilliant golf swing. Good to see him back because it's a long time, isn't it? Two years f- for him not to win. So hopefully, yeah, he gets it back. Exactly, and that's kind of one of the guys that we've said, you know, that we were just talking about, Martin Keimer and other other golfers who have been towards the top of the game and suddenly uh, dropped away. And Wiesberger had dropped away and wasn't really being chatted about that much, was he? So um, I think you could get quite good odds for him last week, actually. So, um, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's one of those guys, probably not a household name, but he could now go on a good run and have a very, very good season. What I would say is... It's quite a weak field over in Denmark, wasn't it? So, if he wants to be on that Ryder Cup team, he really needs to start playing on the PGA. Yes, Tour but you can only or... beat the field that is put in front of, course. of you. So, but this doesn't really and mean. And there's anything. other other golfers, Torbjorn Olsson, that obviously you picked last week. Elliot, I haven't done the betting tips for that last week, and he missed the cut, and he was a Ryder Cup player. So, you know, it's not his fault if they, if those guys missed the, missed the, the opportunity. Um, as European Tour event, you know, there's a lot of. There's a bit of prize money, a bit of world ranking points, and um, obviously means he has to, he keeps his card for another couple of years and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, sorry to continue with that point. I think the gap has widened so much now between PJ Tour and European Tour to the point where winning events like that don't get you on the Ryder Cup side anymore. So like, look at uh, Matt Wallace no, last no, year. You can't win. No, you've got to win multiple times if you're going to do it. Well, Wallace won three times last exactly. year, and that didn't even get him on the exactly. team. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that was, you know, you've got to win. You've got to then get into those majors and the WGCs because that's where the world ranking points are. That's where the money is. That's where people can can get to see you. I well, mean, Wallace, Wallace was very unlucky not to get the Ryder Cup team, wasn't he? But it showed that actually the Europeans had a very strong team in the end, didn't they? So... Also, Harrington has nine automatic qualifiers this year, not eight. So yep. that might help out the European Tour, getting a ninth in. I think Ollison was ninth last year, wasn't he? Uh, that's why he got a pick. I oh, no, sorry, he qualified wasn't, automatically. No, it wasn't. It was Cabrera Bello. Who, oh, yeah, sorry. I, well, I know this because we had a bet in the office. But, yeah, Cabrera Bello missed out completely. He, was the, he would have been the ninth player. If they had d- delayed the announcement by, if you remember... I think 12 hours because he played in the PJ Tour event which finished on the Monday and right. they they picked the team by the end of the Sunday. Uh, it was a, yeah, I think it was because of Labour Day that um, the PJ Tour event finished on Monday. So Cabrera Bello actually had quite a good finish in that. Would have qualified on the points if the points had been done a, a day later. So he was very lucky to then not get a wild card pick as well. But it worked out well, didn't it? Yeah. So, uh, never mind. Anyway, so let's talk about uh, a Ryder Cup player then, Ian Poulter, who was one of those wildcard picks. We're going to put three of his tips dotted throughout the podcast uh, this week. The first up, Joel Tadman, one of our writers, was talking to him about how he practices, and here's what Poulter said. We know, Ian, a lot of golfers, they get to the range, they just hit driver, but I'm guessing you're going to tell us that that's not an effective way of improving your game when you practice? You're right, I go the other way. Most, uh, most tour players obviously start with the shortest club in the bag. Yeah. Lob wedge, sand wedge, and they basically build up and generally warm their muscles up to the club that they're therefore gonna wanna hit the furthest, the driver. Happens the other way when you see amateurs warm up on the range, head cover comes off, start smashing balls, easy to pull a muscle, uh, and not good for practice routines. So routines 
are something which I, I stick to. Uh, Thursdays, I generally warm up with the odd clubs in the bag. Friday, I go to the even clubs in the bag. The reason for doing that is you even out the wear spots on your clubs. Um, and if you like your clubs, you, know, you don't want to change them every couple of months, so yeah. therefore you get a nice even set. Yeah. But practice is, for me, uh, you have to work on the fundamentals of the game. So ball position, stance, alignment, yeah. you know, that, that to me, your grip. If you work on the basics of the game of golf, always, I, I have a device which isn't in the bag today, but you know, I will always lay a club down on the ground yeah. to practice yeah. to a target. I don't understand if anyone's ever going to hit a golf ball on the range without laying a club down. It just reaffirms your alignment. It helps you know, to in ingrain it. So therefore, when you actually get time to go out on the golf course and play, it should almost be you know, complete automatic pilot where you mm. just, your aiming your aiming's correct. Mm. I have a device which gives me a T, a T sign like this. Yeah. Again, yeah. great for obviously ball position. So if I'm, if I'm gonna hit a five iron right here, you know, my ball position is slightly forward than center. My club alignment is obviously going towards my target. Mm. and I'll hit a horrible necky cut. So, um, you know, for, for me, it's all about basics. Yeah. Get back to basics, practice the simple things in your game of golf, which over a long period of time will bleed in naturally, mm. and it will make you a better golfer. But when you're maybe on an off week, um, you're not playing, you're just practicing at home, you're working your technique. How, how much is it technique, and how much is it just seeing the shot that you want to hit? How do you mix it up that way? Well. I use, uh, I use video cameras, uh, just like you've got cameras in here. You know, I'm always working on my swing, tinkering just a tiny little bit. Okay. I work from the ground up. I try and make sure that my base stays very stable. Yeah. Old faults for me, going back through the years, my legs can move a little bit throughout the swing. It then therefore bleeds into the top where the club's not in a stable position. So I've got my little quirks and everyone else has got all their other little quirks. Yeah. It's about working with your club pro, PGA professional to iron out all those little bits yeah. and then always work on them. Whenever you've got that 10 minute window or half an hour window to go on the range to hit balls, mm -hmm. do your drills because when it's time to go and play golf, the benefits you'll get a lot quicker. And just quickly, how do you split your practice in terms of putting, short game and, and long game? Uh, depends what event I'm working towards depends if it's augusta super quick greens depends um really from venue to venue but i would say it's really kind of 60 percent on hitting the 40 percent is short game and putting so good insight there from ian poulter and we've got two more of them coming up so also happened in the last week is that england's bronte law won her first lpga tour title at the pure silk championship She's now 24th in the world, uh, just behind uh, other Brits, Georgia Hall and Charlie Hull. Expect to see her at the Solheim Cup soon as well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, she made nine birdies in a row at LET Tour School in December, which is something I think we wrote an article about yep. at the time. And she's only 24 years old. So another one of our female golfers doing fantastically over in America. Did you manage to see any of that? Yeah, I saw the highlights. Very good. So, yeah, so she's 24th in the world. Charlie Hull's 23rd and Georgia Hull's 22nd. So three English ladies right up there. 
Uh, I'm really excited to see her at the Solheim Cup, actually, because she's never yeah, there's played a couple it of good. They've got those, the things which I always look forward to are the Solheim Cup has been really good the last few years, and there's always a British contingent going to be there. But also the Open after Georgia Hall winning last year, I think it's going to be, again, a few more eyeballs looking at that this year. And it's a real, really great chance for these, these English women to, to really put themselves out there and uh, to be to get some national coverage because they do struggle to get that don't they i mean poor old georgia didn't even get really a mention at bbc sports personality of the year which we've mentioned this previously uh, she got about five second clip when really um if a, a male golfer an english say justin rose had won the open he would have definitely been shortlisted so um it's another great chance for them isn't it on the subject of lack of coverage i can put that to golf in general I was reading a daily newspaper pullout yesterday, a sports pullout. Mm-hmm. Golf was not even in it, which I thought was very bizarre. On a Monday as well, the day but the day after all the tournaments finished. So it, was, it would have been their big sports. This is what's happened over the weekend. Sports yeah. pullout. Yeah. Monday, the twenty seventh of May, it was bank holiday Monday, and nothing from the weekend before. No, it's disappointing, isn't it? Whereas Lewis Hamilton got like four pages. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think that. I think this is where we have got to be careful because this is where I don't like it. I don't think that we should be attacking other people in other sports who've done well. Say, why are they talking about him? I think that you just sort out their coverage you can you can cover both things i mean lewis hamilton winning at monaco it's a big story there's no 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 doubt they're going to cover that well the big story is nicky lauda wasn't it because i think he worked yeah. for mercedes yes absolutely so there's actually loads of loads of chats about f1 if we're going to talk about that but but I it's think, just a car going around the track at the end of the day well, let's not attack other sports and i quite <laughs> okay. like i quite like f1 anyway. yeah i like it as well but, but i think that i think what the point is that actually there's are big events going on there are Okay, there's no real, no real British challenge this weekend, except from Bronte Law. So you're saying Bronte Law wasn't mentioned in this at all? Was no, there were there were some other female golf stories as well. Annabelle Dimmock from Wentworth, she won on the LET tour at the weekend, mm-hmm. the Jabra Ladies Open. So yeah, she's only 22. Yep, not so not that, very strong tournament, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. very good for her. And then also not British, but Nuria Iturios. One again, so she's won like three times in the last six weeks. The Spaniard from Son Severa Golf Club in Mallorca, which I played, which is um, Rafael Nadal's home club. Mm-hmm. And she's like 150th in the world or something, whereas I thought she'd be right up there in contention for the Solheim Cup. But she's not. She won the LET Moonlight Classic in Dubai at night and a couple of others. Yeah, so there was actually other other things. And what I think we're just asking for is that why is this not being covered? We're not expecting, you know, double-page spreads or anything like that. But it should be some kind of section somewhere, shouldn't there? Um, because I think we, I think golf's missing out at the moment. I mean, Tiger Woods won the Masters six weeks ago. Did he? Oh, yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. They'll have front pages for that, but, yeah, it's tricky, I know that. So, uh, before we move on, we're going to hear again from someone who always has a few headlines, that's Ian Poulter, uh, and this time about his distance control uh, with his irons. Ian, tell us a bit about, firstly, you know exactly how far you hit your irons, presumably to the nearest yard. Tell us about how you hit those iron shots so consistently. First and foremost, uh, physically I can only hit the ball a certain distance, uh, and the reason, obviously, for that is, you know, I'm trying to swing it, 
not 101%, but I'm trying to keep it at a, a constant speed, therefore giving me a constant distance. Five iron for me carries 202 yards. Um, that's a number which I know because of Trackman. You know, when we practice, uh, you'll see a lot of guys obviously with a Trackman behind them. We look at our data all the time and obviously find out the most consistent numbers. So, yes, we are quite accurate when it comes to the ones and twos in the numbers. It's not 170 or 175 yeah. or 180. Mm -hmm. We have to be a, a little bit more precise. Now, you've got the options in there. If you're going to hit a cut, generally the ball's not going to go quite as far because it's got more spin on it. If you're going to hit the draw, obviously uh, the ball's perhaps going to go a little bit longer. So you've always got a little window in there if you've got a yardage where you want mm. to land at 205, perhaps I would try and hit a three-yard draw okay. to get that you know, extra three yards out of the club. Vice versa, if I want to take some yardage off, perhaps just hit a, a little cut. Is that how you suggest amateurs go about changing the distance they hit their irons, hitting draws and fades, or is there something in their technique they can alter to change the distance? Well, obviously, speed is, is key with that. So if they've got one constant speed, they, they mentally should know if they want to take a little bit of yardage off, yeah. obviously swing it a little bit smoother. And if they want to add a little bit of yardage, try and hit it harder. You know, a lot of amateurs don't get a lot of time to hit thousands and thousands of balls. Um, so it's when you have got that opportunity, and if they are in a fortunate situation where they can get some data, mm. it's always good to try and get that data so they know when they've got 150, they know it's eight iron for them yeah. or whatever club consistently gets that distance. I play pro-ams week in, week out, and it's surprising how many, how many amateurs don't quite know the exact distance they yeah. hit the shot. They think they hit wedge 140, but they really hit it 130, and that's a big window. There you go. More great tips there from Poulter. I wish I could say how far I hit my 7-iron. My 7-iron goes either 20 yards or 170 yards. And every yard is in between. It's quite tricky, my golf. How far do you hit your 7-iron? Probably 155. <laughs> I thought you were going to be really... I thought you were going to say 151.5. In the so. summer, though, we're looking at probably... 180 maybe yeah those hot downhill downwind yeah <laughs> uh so what's happening this week there are two events pj tour is the memorial tournament at muirfield village 9.1 million dollar purse that's a lot of money yeah that's two million more than the european tour rolex series events yeah, isn't it huge so massive, massive tournament five-time winner tiger woods is playing as well which is really good news because we wanted him to play before the us open uh, and also rory McIlroy is playing and justin rose and defending champion bryson DeChambeau. uh DeChambeau won last year in what was his first of five victories in 17 starts and there's other big names as well uh justin thomas who's back after he missed the USPGA with a wrist injury. Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Adam Scott, Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth. Rose won his first PGA Tour title at Muirfield Village in 2010 and also lost in a playoff to David Lingworth in 2015. Uh, and Hideki Matsuyama won in 2014. I spoke to David Lingworth... Uh, oh, yeah. ...about... Close his personal friend. Close, well, I'm not sure I would go that far. But, um, yeah, and Lingworth... One of those guys who unfortunately has hasn't really kicked on in the last couple of years, but he was a he's that was an amazing victory for him, his first PJ Tour victory. But Lingworth was saying that it was just incredible to win that event. 
in you know Jack's back garden and stuff like that. It's 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 such a big tournament on the PJ Tour, and that's why it's such a good field. Tiger playing, five-time winner. Is he going to win? Probably you, not. You, no. Oh, pro- oh, you've gone negative on Tiger now. You thought you I thought you were going to say Tiger's going to win every event from now on. Well, I'll go for Rory McIlroy this week. Oh, okay. Well, I think Roy's favourite, nine to one. Is he? Yeah, really good field, isn't it? Got the two Aussies, Day and Scott. Hideki's playing quite well, isn't he? He won. Hideki Matsuyama is. I think he, that was his first PJ Tour he win. He is uh, playing very, very well. Hasn't missed a cut in about five years, doesn't he? Is it? It's it's getting that long. Uh, I I like Jordan Spieth for this week. I yeah. think he's twenty five to one. As we said, we've already mentioned he's he's been playing a bit better, and um, I think it, I think this could could be the week. It's not too much of a test, Muirfield Village. You know, there are tricky bits, but it's usually, you know, quite a, a low score. Clearly a very good test of golf if um, people like David Lingmurth won. So it shows you that you, you don't just need to be smashing it 320 yeah. yards every Oh, it's, 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 a, it's obviously a, a very good course where, you know, it, it, it can be won in by def, different kinds of people. But it's usually a, a decent under par score, isn't it, that's going on. So yeah, so if you want to know the other betting tips for uh, the Memorial Tournament, do Google Golf Betting Tips and click on our link. And then there's also another event over in Europe, which is has one million euro purse. So that's quite a big difference from Muirfield's $9.1 million purse. And that's the Belgian Knockout, where Adrian Otegu defends. This is a stroke play slash match play event am I right in saying that Elliot yeah so we've got stroke play for the first two days then a cut of 64 players Saturday we'll see the 64 players play three rounds of nine hole stroke play knockout are you taking notes yeah yep so yeah stroke play knockout not match play and then we'll have eight players on the final day for a semi-final and a final so So what's what's the difference between stroke play uh, knockout and match play knockout Elliot just, you know, for the people who won't understand what the difference is. So if we went and played stroke play knockout, we would just go and play together and then add up the scores at the end and whoever had the least amount of strokes goes through. Yeah. So it goes down always goes down to the last hole and yeah, so you can't be one up or two up. So or, you can't win five and four. No, exactly. So if yeah. If you're four shots clear going into the final hole, you know, you need a big swing. Take a wedge off the tee. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's good. It's not a bad tournament. Agent Tayu, I think, is um, I think he's thirty-three to one, which seems long to me because he's a very good match player. Although this is obviously slightly different. He's obviously also the defending champion as well. But it does suit people who are gritty, and it's um, you know, with a cut of sixty-four players, you can actually have quite a poor first two rounds, get into the knockout, again play reasonably average. But if so, you've pl- all you've got to do is play better than the person you're playing against. So, um, and then it's it's only nine holes on the weekend as well, yeah. isn't it? It's not like you've got to string eighteen holes together. Yeah. So this was, I will be picking a few betting tips with it, but I would also say do check out the odds after the cut and things like that because you're going to get some some very decent odds for people who perhaps aren't doing very well. And a few, you know, they only have to win a couple of matches and they're they're very close to the semi-final. So. Um, it should be interesting, shouldn't it? Yeah, another of the European Tour's innovative events. We've got the... Vicksburg is playing again as well, isn't he? So. Yeah. Thomas Detry as well, another Belgian. So Peters is hosting. So he is probably favourite, I'd imagine. I believe um, so. But yeah, then we've got the Golf Sixes next week. So two very 
different events from the European Tour. Yeah. Uh, in the next and few weeks. And that's maybe the, you know, it's, and that's probably why it's going to get a bit of coverage perhaps because, as you say, the field is not great, the purse is not great, but it's entertaining. Would you not say? Yeah, 100%. Always uh, like to see Belgian courses as well. Great place to play golf. Like That's right up there on my golf holiday list. To go and play some of the Belgian heathlands. He, the, the Belgian heath. You love a heathland, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, so those, those should be good. And um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And we can chat about that. See if there's any drama uh, on next week's podcast. Uh, now we're going to listen to the final bit of Ian Poulter's tips, which is this time about pitching. So, Ian, talk us through some essentials for golfers to help them improve their pitching. Okay, pitching, uh, simple. You need good balance, so therefore you want to stay very centred. You want to make sure you have your feet aiming left to target. So, therefore, it's easier to have a descending blow. And obviously, when you're pitching, you want to add spin. So, the exact opposite with driver when you're trying to hit it on the up. With pitching, you actually want a nice descending blow and able to impart as much spin as possible to control it when it lands on, on, onto the green. Okay, so let's see one now. So, How far are you going to hit this one for uh, us? Let's hit one uh, 50 yards. Okay. 50 yards. I've got a 56 degree sand wedge. I'm aiming left of my target. Grip down it slightly. Let's see. I mean, that was pretty spot on there. Uh, 52, not too bad. Um, Six feet out. Yeah. Do you always use the same club when you pitch, or do you no, got a few I'm, wedges I, in the bag? I mean, I, I carry four wedges, standard wedge 48. I yeah. go to a 52, which I basically say is my gap wedge, uh, up to uh, 60, yeah. which is my lob wedge. Okay. So four wedge system. Is that how you change the distance that you pitch the ball with the club or your swing as well? So talk us through that. Okay, uh, I'll give you the short version because yeah, it, be. it depends on the greens, how firm they are. Okay. Depends if I'm pitching into grain. Uh, depends if it's into the wind, downwind. Depends if it's it's a pin that I re- you know is tight over a bunker, yeah. or if it's one where I've got a lot of green to work with. I'll use less loft. So okay. generally, it, it is I use it as spin. So the less loft, the less spin I need. So therefore, the more green I need to use to get it to the hole. So if it's a tight tight pin, more loft. If it's not a tight pin, less loft. Okay. So there you go. I, I need to listen to these tips again for me and Paul because I need as much help as possible with them. And What's your pitching like? Poor. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. <laughs> poor to So poor I'm not very weak. nice about your golf game, am I? Well, no. I, I, well, I don't think I'm very good at uh, very uh, positive about my golf game sometimes. But um, no, pitching. I'd always try and use a 9-iron around, uh, around the greens. and Little bump always, and runs. Yeah, and sometimes they go badly wrong. But now we're going to listen to um, and answer some of your questions that you've been sending in via our social media. Obviously, this has been on at Golf Monthly on Twitter, at Golf Monthly on Instagram, and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. So, Elliot, you're going to be asking asking the questions. What we got? Yes, we've got a good one to start with from Colin Martin on Facebook. Hello, Colin. After the four majors and the WGCs, what other tournaments should be... What other tournaments should the top pros be aiming to get on their CV? As as wins, are they saying? Yeah. Is he saying? Well, I think the players, obviously, he has mentioned the players there, which obviously Roy McIlroy won this this year. That's obviously known as the fifth, unofficial fifth major. And it is at an awesome course, Sawgrass, and it's obviously got a huge prize pool as well. 
So certainly that. And then what I would say is that... He's holding his hands up here. Is that, indeed, is that depending on your nationality, I think winning your home open is a massive thing. And you see, whether it's the Italian Open or the Spanish Open or, or whatever it is. Or the Puerto Rico Open. Indeed, <laughs> which we've already <laughs> mentioned. You know, winning one of those things is massive uh, if you come from that country. So they're always the headline things and that might be your oh that might be not a particularly prestigious event or it might be a very prestigious event if you win the us open that's quite prestigious isn't it um so yeah i th- always think that that's one of the things that should be should be done for me the bmw pga championship would be right up there i think all the world's top players should try and play in that and then yeah all these really historic opens like i'd love if i was a professional golfer i'd love to win the australian open the South yep. African Open, French Open's a very historic one, uh, Canadian Open's another very historic one next week, which McElroy plays in. Scottish and Irish, they're big tournaments as well on, yeah. on Lynx Golf. What about regular PJ Tour ones? I, uh, well, I, I, the Memorial, back, that's a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Memorial, obviously, this week is, is a huge one for lots of different reasons. I think it's because of, obviously, the link with Jack Nicholas obviously is the, is the big thing. I quite like the uh, depending on what they call it, European Masters at Grand Sourcier yeah. because it's such a nice course and it's obviously got a lot of history as well. So I think any of these historic ones, a Tour Championships normally a good one to win as well, isn't it? Cause it it's, yeah. it's normally with the uh, the best this, golfers yeah, of the so season. This is this is. I think still got a little bit of work to do. The the Tour Championship on the PGA Tour has so much money. Obviously, the one that Tiger won last year. He's had obviously already already some very good winners on there, and that's something that you can't take away. And then also the um, the DP World Tour Challenge, uh, World Ch- World what's it called? World Championship. The World Tour Championship. The World. Well, Tour the European Tour Ch- Championship. But um, three million euros for the winner. This yeah, year. that's that's a massive tournament over in Dubai. Whether it's at the top of people's wish lists, I don't know. But um, probably getting there. But I think yeah, it's down to the personal opinion of, of each golfer I think a lot of players like to win on the courses don't they so they'd like mm. you know like Woods has won a lot around Torrey Pines all these amazing golf courses Muirfield yeah. Village this week Augusta Sawgrass Wentworth St Andrews St Andrews Open's obviously the pinnacle if not the yeah second. so for example th- this Pebble year Beach. this year with the Open uh, being at Port Rush the, all the Irish golfers you know, having a chance to win in Ireland is is a huge is a huge incentive, isn't it? So it's going to mean a lot more to them than others, even if it's an open. And every time we we go to St Andrews, winning at St Andrews is such you know you only get this opportunity once every five years. It's a massive opportunity, isn't it? And sometimes that that does affect some golfers. They don't play as well because of that extra extra pressure. Last year um, at Birkdale, you know Tommy Fleetwood had a lot of focus and um, we're getting a lot of the headlines and he didn't have his best week because of that probably. Next what here we got? from Carlos Fogg on Facebook. Again, Hello Carlos talking, Fogg, you have a fantastic name. <laughs> again talking about the professional tournaments. Do you think the new schedule of the majors is good for golf or only good for the PGA Tour? I think it is good for golf and I would say actually I think it's good for the European Tour having getting them almost not out of the way but getting them done by July means that we do have a good few months left in Europe where the weather's still decent and Wentworth's obviously moved from May to September 
and Rory McIlroy says he's going to play and it's, it's, I think it's opened up the opportunity for more players from the PGA Tour to have a couple of months actually where they can concentrate on Europe. So I think it's actually a really good thing for golf. What do you think, Elliot? I think it's very good for the PGA Tour. They've essentially just announced that they've dominated the market, haven't they? They've got that whole March to August schedule, hence why this week there's, well, there's two events on the European Tour back-to-back that are a million euros the week before the US Open, which just shows you how the European Tour really is struggling to compete against it. But then again, I know, but it, it does have it, that absolute, end of season. I, no, I, no, I get that, Elliot. But actually, at the moment, it's major, se- it's major season now. So the US Open is obviously in America. So you're not going to have those big events over in Europe. But isn't this the chance then for the bigger events, which sometimes missed out because they were having to compete with either a major or being week before or after a major? Now they've got a chance to have find their own own gap in the calendar after the Open and have a chance to get better players in. Yeah, it's good because the European Tour can then put its Rolex Series events outside of the major season. Yeah. Because if it if you had a Rolex Series event up against the Memorial this week, it probably wouldn't do as well as it should do. Of co- well, of course it But would. whereas like the Abu Dhabi Championship at the start of the year, that does very well, doesn't it? And that's now a Rolex Series yeah. event. I th- and I do think it's more hopefully that the that all the tours are now talking to each other, communicating a bit better, so actually they've got the chance to actually have some big tournaments each, as it were. You're never gonna get, you're never gonna be able to compete really for the American audience and American money because there's bigger population. They're obviously bigger geographically, and they have a lot of money over there. So um, being able to maybe find the odd bit here and there will help, and I think this calendar schedule will help. Yeah, I think like obviously there's been a lot of negativity about it, but once the PGA Tour schedule is over, we do have some great events to look forward to. Indeed. Next question. Um, Anthony Lander on Facebook. Do you think that the free use of laser rangefinders would be a good way to speed up play in professional tournaments? Uh, no, I don't. Think. The caddies are still going to pace out. I stuff, think. Aren't they? Yeah, I think. I think um, it might help with some. I, it, it might help if they if someone's wildly away from where they should be. Um, I think that's always one that they could potentially do. But I think people still pace things out. I think they still consider so many things, you know, depending if it's uphill or downhill, depending on the wind and stuff like that. And actually mapping it out beforehand, um, um, they they have the yardages pretty nailed down already, don't they? They don't really take that long. It's actually, I think, the other things that they consider. If we're going to take Bryson DeChambeau, for example, he's going to be looking at the air density and which um, way the birds are flying <laughs> and um, things like that. So might help every now and then. I wonder if they will change that, but um, yeah. I it is know. strange that they don't use the technology available to them, isn't it? I know it's been trialled, or it was being trialled It has been trialled. On I think the web.com tour. Yeah, I think there's always... It's 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 similar to with the green reading books and the cut back on them and what they're now allowed to show is actually they still need to have a bit of skill. You still need to to work out exactly some things without them just being given to you. And I think that's one thing that maybe won't ever change. I don't know. But it's yeah, knowing the yardage to the flag is not always is not what you need in professional golf, if, especially if you're playing on a particularly tough course. And um, you don't go at the the pins always, do you? You know, you go for the front. 
Kupka said this that when he uh, was leading in the PGA, he was just trying to hit the fronts of fronts of greens, and um, you don't always have the yardage for the fronts of the greens, and you can't always laser them if you can't see the front of the green. So they need GPS devices, really, don't they? Indeed. Right, Andy Wardrop on Facebook: Should pro golf be played with a standardised compression golf ball to stop these 500 plus yard par fives being eagled regularly? Crikey, that's a that's a loaded question, Elliot. I think some people would agree with that. Some people wouldn't agree with that. I think golf's boring when the pros hit three woods into greens and six irons into greens, etc. I think it's fine how it is. It's entertaining seeing them hit wedges close and yeah. I think the, the only thing that people obviously it's not, and it's not just the golf ball that is that that's the reason why people are hitting the ball further. There is the reason that it's also there's technology in the clubs, but also maybe above all of that is actually the fitness of the golfers and their gym routines and stuff like that. And that's not, you can't stop someone going to the gym. Um, and with track man and stuff these days, they know the perfect angle of attack, the perfect spin and all that to, to really maximize distance. Um, they're also playing in very warm weather, aren't they? So that's why you're seeing yeah, them hit the ball so far. We still see that. Well, we've seen already this year with the two majors, Augusta, they lengthened the fifth hole, and that was the toughest hole on the course all of a sudden. And then the USPGA, how many people were under par? Seven? Something along those lines. And then we've got the US Open coming up at Pebble Beach. So there's more than one way to to stop this. I think it would be much better maybe for some courses to grow the rough up and stuff like that. So actually whether people are actually going to take driver off, I think driver off every tee I didn't like the rough at Bethpage so I did think that ruined it okay. well I think Cook just played very well and yeah there's but you don't have to be really really penal but you need to perhaps be a little bit penal saying if you miss the fairway you're going to have maybe a, a dodgy lie or you're not going to be able to get as much control on the ball I think that's a much you know that's something that the course managers can perhaps look at we do look on the PJ tour and they don't have very much rough up Ever really do they? What they could do a lot more of is mowing it back towards the tee box instead of at Bethpage where it's just too thick, the players were literally just chunking it out. Yeah, Bethpage was very tough, but we knew it was going to be very tough. And uh, Pebble Beach will obviously be a, have its own different challenges because it's a different kind of course, but uh, yeah, I think that's maybe something that we could look at. I don't know whether that ever gets to the as the question asked, um, a standardized golf ball. I'm not sure that will ever happen. But. Here's Simon Mark Lewis on Facebook. In today's gender-neutral society, how long do you think before we see the demise of the red and yellow tee boxes? Will this ever happen on public and club courses? Um, that's another loaded question. I think courses should all... This, this is almost the opposite to the, the previous question. Golf courses need to be playable for as many people as possible. And I don't know... If, I think we, as long as people have options on the tee box, whether it's, that means it's a red tee, a yellow tee and a white tee, or it, some other courses have six different teeing options, don't they? You've got to, I think, be realistic and play the course from the tees which you think are right for your game and don't worry about it too much. Yeah, there should definitely be guidelines, shouldn't it? If you hit the ball 200 yards, go off these tees. Not, if you're a woman, go there. If you're a bloke, go there. Yeah. Because you see... 80-year-old men sometimes playing off the back tees in a competition, which is just completely wrong. 
Yeah, well, yeah, some of the, some eighteen year old men would 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 uh, disagree with you there, and some eighteen year old men would be able to play off that. I think it's it depends what the club is, and I know obviously you have women's events, you have men's events, you have mixed events. Uh, as long as there's clear guidelines, I really don't think it's a problem, and I think a lot of women golfers would like playing off the red tees, and because they don't hit the ball maybe as far. But I think I don't know whether it should be called a women's tee. I think maybe it should just be called. The red tee. Yeah. Or oh, as, you, as you say, if, if you hit the ball this... The, if your handicap's this tee, or something like that. So, um. One thing I'd say on tees is it annoys me when you go to a golf club and you're not allowed to play off the white tees. I knew you were going to say that. It happened recently. I can't remember where I was, but I wouldn't name and shame them anyway. But I asked and they said, no, sorry, yellow tees today. Yeah, and, and that's their prerogative. They, they, they run the golf course. So I have no problem with that in the slightest. Yeah, but then you come out of the course thinking, oh, shot's good score, but it was off the yellow tees. I don't think many people... Whereas you can say... I don't think many people think that. And I think that uh, the people that actually moan about that are sometimes... are above their station. <laughs> I think you say, if you, played off, if you played well off a certain amount of tees, that means you maybe you're off the right tees. But you like to test yourself, don't you? Of course. And you can say, of oh, course. yeah, and I shot my handicap it, off and, the back and, tees. And they may be that you actually play on another course and you say, can we play off the white tees or the back tees, whatever it is. And they say, yeah, sure, go for it. And because then I always leave there thinking the, that's a good club, because, that's a nice club. Yeah, I know, but, they, but there's nothing wrong. Perhaps the tees are under... Perhaps they're trying to rest the course or they've done work to some of the, the back tees or something like that so they say oh no actually we're just playing the yellow tees they're not saying anything to you they're just saying that's how the course is set up they're in charge of the course not you so let, they're, they're, the, the, they're the professionals doing their jobs I think we need to just give them some give them what they want let them, Even let though them, I'm paying my money to play the golf course I'm so paying my money be allowed to play I'm it pay, how I like but I, yeah but it's <laughs> Yeah, it's not you, you are paying a green fee, you know, and your green fee is 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 only helping a tiny amount to the actual running of the golf course. Oh yeah, if the I was a member, need, I'd be playing off the backs, wouldn't I? I don't know. Depends in medal play. In med, yeah, if you if yeah, absolutely, if it's a medal competition or whatever, then you're going to be off the back. Maybe that's so. what you pay your money for. I don't know. It's just to play the golf course, isn't it? There's some there's some golf courses I played off the back tees at golf monthly events and I wish I wasn't off the back tees because it it's, makes it sometimes a bit too hard and that's what we're trying to say trying, how about just playing off the tees which are right for you but is this, I think it's down to the clubhouse managers and the greenkeepers and the, all those guys who do a lot of work know the course much better than you do who, if you're coming to visit and paying 50 quid you know you're paying 50 quid to play the golf course but you're also a guest of that club so as a guest you should you should respect your hosts. <laughs> we did play off the forward tees at Burnham and Burrow, didn't we? And that was very challenging. I remember coming off of that yeah. saying, God, thank God we didn't play further back. Exactly. And again, that's, that's, that's I think, that was... That so, was yeah, very, conditions that was, vary, don't they? The conditions vary, and you need to take advice from the people there. And I think there's too far too many people who think that because they have single-figure handicaps that they actually are know their game a bit better than anybody else I know this for a fact uh, not having a go at you at all there Elliot because we're just chatting about it but um, I think sometimes I think oh no I'm I'm far too good for this blah 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 look mate just play the game <laughs> golf. 
play the game of golf, enjoy it. As I said, you are the guests usually at a club. Um, they didn't have to let you on. They have let you on. I know you've had to pay for the privilege, but, you know, that's life. So, um, you know, l- listen to them and I'm sure they'll give you some good advice because I don't know, I've never met any golf club that is trying to make you have a bad day. Have we got any more questions? Uh, no, should we move on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we so I think that's enough. I think, that, I think that's enough for questions now, but thanks ever so much for, for sending them in. Really like doing the Q&As when... Uh, We'll do that. We'll do then. Uh, do another one in a couple of weeks' time, I think. So, uh, but we do have some more questions now because we've got the quiz. And at the moment, it is twelve six to Elliot as Elliot is on a bit of a run. Uh, I think it's that score. It could be thirteen six, but I didn't want to put that down. Stop trying to give yourself more points. So, as ever, we've got ten questions, which Sam, Sam Tremlett has done. Now, Sam's had a bit of a shock of the last couple of weeks, hasn't he? couple of dodgy answers which we've then uh, well, well yeah I can't remember last week it seems so young long ago Tom now. Morris remember my oh yes my I'll say that of young, to- young Tom Morris and uh, I wasn't given a point but actually we looked up la- afterwards and I should have been but never mind he won four majors and eight starts he did but let's not uh, let's not upset Sam anymore Sam just Sam ignoring li- the history books Sam will be listening to this right now and getting very up- very upset so let's not do that anymore but do try harder Sam anyway here we go <laughs> <laughs> Question one of the quiz. Bernd Wiesberger won his fifth European Tour title at the Maiden Denmark this weekend. But what was his first? Neither year and tournament. I have not got wow. a clue. Let's think. Um, okay. No idea. Uh, question two. What is his best world ranking? Closest wins. Closest wins, eh? I'm glad he said that. I'm yeah. not getting it spot on. Um, did you research this? Because I know no, you said you did a bit of... I, had, I did not research that. I've written down a number because that's what I needed to do. Okay. Question three. Kevin Nahr won the 2019 Charles Schwab Challenge this weekend, winning the prize money, the trophy, and a car. Name the car. Ooh. We've talked about this already. Can you remember what we said? Oh, you're cheating. You're looking at your bit of paper. No, no, it, it's on the other side. I know what it is, anyway. We said it earlier. Yeah, I know. Um, question four. Nah emigrated with his family to the United States when he was eight years old, but where was he originally born? I assume he means country. I think I know that. Does planet Earth count? That's not a country. He hasn't said country. No comment. Uh, question five. Bronte Law won her first LPGA Tour title at the Pure Silk Championship. What was her winning under par score? Mm. I, I, I've guessed. You just look at my answers. No. I've guessed. I think it's around that. Question six. Lee Westwood signed a new apparel deal recently, but who was it with? Oh, you've gone straight to your... Well, I know paper. this. I didn't think you'd get that. I sent you the press release, didn't I? Probably. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> I'm glad of that. <laughs> Question seven. The Memorial Tournament takes place in the coming week, but can you tell me in which state... It, hang on. But can you tell me in what state host course Muirfield Village Golf Club is in? Yeah, I can tell you. So can I. That's the easy one. 
Uh, question eight. Each year, the tournament has an induction ceremony to honour past golfers. Who was honoured at the 2018 tournament? Do you know? No. Each year, the tournament has an induction ceremony to honour past golfers. Who was honoured in the, at the 2018 tournament? Does past mean deceased? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see. Question nine. How many times has Tiger Woods won the Memorial Tournament? We said this earlier. And uh, question 10. In the third round of the 2015 Memorial Tournament, Tiger shot the worst round of his professional career. What did he shoot? Oh, God, I have no idea. I've written down a number. So, that was quite tricky. Oh, I want to change my last answer. No, I'm going to keep it. Yeah? Okay, right. Question one. Bernd Wiesberger won his fifth year being tour title at the Maiden Denmark this weekend, but what was his first in the year in tournament? Right, let's let's have a laugh. What did we put? I went for the Open de España in 2011. I went for the Austrian Open in 2012. Oh. Oh, 2012? The Ballantines Championship. Ah. So, cross, cross. Although I've got the year right, aren't it? No, I could look no, not half, half a point. No, no, no. <laughs> What's his best world ranking? Twenty ninth. Oh, I said twenty fourth. Oh, twenty third. Get in there. Oh, he's holding his head in his hands. Uh, question three: Kevin Nar won the twenty nineteen Charles Schwab Challenge this weekend, winning the prize money, the trophy, and the car. Name the car. A Dodge Challenger from nineteen seventy three. Yeah. Well, yes, Dodge Challenger. Did you not have the year? It doesn't. It's a brand and model. Okay, fair enough. Dodge Challenger. Yeah, there you go. It was blue as well. If that counts. Oh, yeah, it doesn't say colour. <laughs> no. Question four. Uh, Nart emigrated with his family to the United States when he was eight years old. But where was he originally born? Seoul. You got some... <laughs> yeah, after yeah. South Korea. Read the question. No, that's a bit vague, isn't it? No, not at all. Not emigrated his family to the United States, a country, when he was eight years old. But where was he originally born? What's the answer? South Korea. Oh, he hasn't put the city in. No, the because I said I even said country. Okay, fair enough. You get a point though, even though you said Seoul. Was it definitely Seoul? Yeah. I want. To, are you sure? Because Seoul is the capital, of South Korea. But are you sure that Nar was born in? Yes. There's no actual proof here. We're going to have to look this up later. I promise you, he was born in Seoul. Okay, I'm going to have a look later. Uh, question five: Bronte Law won her first LPGA Tour title at the Pure Silk Championship. What's a winning under par score? Fourteen. I've said sixteen. The chance of this being fifteen? Probably. Seventeen. Oh. <laughs> Nearest wins? No. no. Oh. I'm still behind, though. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was around that. Uh, question six. Lee West was signed a new power deal recently, but who was it with? Uh, Peter Millar. Peter Millar. Question seven. The Memorial Tournament takes place in the coming week, but can you tell me what state host course Mewfield Village Golf Club is in? Ohio. Yeah. Question eight. Each year the tournament has an induction ceremony to... Ho- to honour past golfers, who's honoured at the 2018 tournament? Who did you put for this? I put Arnold Palmer. I said Tiger Woods. Hale Irwin. Oh. Tricky. Why would they have honoured Tiger Woods last year? I have no idea. I had. I was a guest. <laughs> look, look. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> Sometimes you get guesses wrong. Uh, question nine: How many times Tiger? How many times has Tiger Woods won the Memorial Tournament? Five. 
five. Oh, I think I'm one back. Are you? I don't know what There's the last one, question was. One, two, three, four, five. I've got six with one to go. I've got five. All right, it's all down to this. In the third round of the 2015 Memorial Tournament, Tiger shot the worst round of his professional career. What did he shoot? I'll say first, so I'm not even cheating. You can see, I put 83. Ooh, I put 82. I was going to put 83. 85. 85? God, wow, what was he what doing a, that day? What a chopper. But that does mean... <laughs> that does mean... Incredibly, I've won a quiz. So, 12-7. Cutting the gap. Massive. Um... Thanks for listening, everybody. That was a dramatic quiz, wasn't it? Uh, that we'll, was difficult. That was tricky. Well done, Sam. Uh, we'll be back next week to look back on the Memorial and the Belgian knockout and preview the Canadian Open, which sees Roy McIlroy make his first ever pro start in Canada. That's exciting, isn't it? Um, until then, do follow us on social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter, at Golf Monthly on Instagram, and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. And, of course, do remember to subscribe to the podcast by your usual podcast provider Elliot is waving at me what a would little, you like to say um, Elliot a little parting note here McElroy is playing next week which is the week before the US Open he's playing this week as well which means he's playing three weeks in a row and he's not playing the Irish Open this year because he doesn't want to play three weeks in a row um, are you trying to start an argument in the outro perhaps we'll talk about this more next week perhaps we will and until next week we'll speak to you then 